This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Well, I want to talk to you today about the unexpected. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for the joy of the Lord that's in this place. And I ask you now, Father, Lord, that you're going to change our hearts and change our lives. Lord, we want to be yours from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. We want all of our life to be consumed by you. Help us, Father, now in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, Acts chapter 2, verse number 1, reading from the NIV today, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. Now, I want you to get just a picture before we go on in the rest of this verse. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, suddenly there was this sound of a rushing mighty wind. There's only one other place in Scripture that this type of description happens. When Elijah goes out onto the mountain of Carmel and he steps out and the Baal worshipers are trying to pray to Baal to give them fire and no fire would come, and he looks up to God and he says, okay, God, we have created an altar. God, we have wet the altar a a ton more so that we want you to show your power. God, would you show yourself strong? And all of a sudden there's this... Have anybody ever heard that sound of fire. Maybe you're not like me, but I can't keep a grill that has an automatic starter that works. So that's kind of the way it works for me. I take a piece of paper or a stick or a long match or whatever, you turn it on and and you drop it in there and you you step back and you hear, you know what I'm talking about? I had a real experience of that one time, one of those sounds. Somebody told me that if you have yellow jackets that you should, and this is what, do not try this at home, okay? <laughs> Don't let my epic fail affect you, okay? So I didn't know, so I think I had some diesel or whatever, so I poured it down in this hole. And, and I get my matches. And about the time I'm about to take that match and put it down there to that hole so that I could, you know, do whatever you're supposed to do with that, all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. Don't you, aren't you glad that he speaks to you about non-spiritual things? He said, son, I, I think I'd use a stick for that. <laughs> I said, okay, Lord. So I went and got the broom, and I took a napkin, wrapped it around it. I looked like you know some kind of torch creature, you know? I mean, it had stung my baby. I was going after these yellow jackets. And, and I bet you I didn't get that close to the hole when I took that. If I, it had been my hand, there would not be one here today. And I put it down there, and it's about, it got about that far from the hole. And all of a sudden, I heard that. And then I started doing this. Because me and the entire backside of my house were covered with Georgia red clay. <laughs> there had been an explosion. But I want you to get that kind of an environment. That kind of a moving experience, that it was not some, some of us have this little image that we've seen these things that, you know how, you, how it is, you go to a concert and you borrow a big lighter from your friend? I'm giving you coverage, amen. But you pull it out and you're like, shh, you know? Or now you don't even, got it on his phone up there, that's just wrong. 
You heard that in the first service. But anyways, no. So, but you, now they're holding their cell phones up. You know, we have this little image of these little bitty lights. That's not what happened. Just like on Mount Carmel, they're getting the presence of God. And all of a sudden there was this, the Bible says there was this, and this fire fell in the room and it divided. And all of a sudden they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the ability. Wow. What an amazing story. And what it's going to talk about is exactly what Arlene tried to steal my message about earlier. Is we don't know what God's going to do when God shows up. And because we don't know what God's going to do when God shows up, most of us don't really want him to show up. Are you with me today? We are all very similar, folks, in the way we're made up. Our physiological makeup's the same. Everybody's got a heart. Everybody's got a brain. I was saying that in the first service. I said, everybody's got a heart. And I felt like there was this one couple sitting over here that kind of cast eyes at each other. Like she's looking, I don't know if he's really got a heart or not. But we've all got a heart. We've all got a brain. And, and even though some of us have lost a few parts here along the way, we're made up pretty much the same. But what makes the difference is not our physiological makeup, but it's the experiences that we've had in life. The different ways that you've walked that I haven't walked, the things that you've been through that I haven't been through, those things affect on every side who we really are. You know, one of my favorite things to do is to talk with people about how they never expected to be serving God. Take somebody that when they first walk through those doors, maybe eight, 10 years ago, and they walk through those doors and they're strung out of their mind and they're, they're could you imagine coming to this church? Hi. Whoa, you know, God's moving. Please don't try it, but God's moving, you know. There's this one, one of our lead families that's in our church now. When they first came and they were strung out, they would go home and they'd have to go home and get high to get the conviction off of them after church, okay? And now they're like on fire for God. Because you imagine if that's your lifestyle and you come in and then about 10 years later, I've got that same family that used to have to get just way out there. I've got them on a mission trip with me and I look over at them and I said, if somebody had told you 10 years ago that you were going to be up river in Brazil or up, up uh, uh, or down inside of some, some desert somewhere presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ with people that don't even want you there, what would you have said? And they said, no way. I love to hear how people don't understand. Here's the other thing I love to hear what people, people don't get. I love to hear how people will say, I never dreamed my biggest struggle would become my area of my greatest victory. How that people will tell me that how they've actually grown thankful for where they stumbled and failed because it broke them and caused them to run to God. But you see, all of these comments are the product of hindsight which could be defined as the feeling we get when we shake our heads in amazement as we see what God did when we thought it was all over. Is there anybody else here today that's glad we have a God who can move when we think it's all over? You know, I don't know how many times I've said, I wish I knew. I wish I had known what God was going to do. I would have been a little stronger, a little more patient. I wouldn't have griped quite as much. I wish I had known. And wouldn't it be great if the outcome of all of our battles was a foregone conclusion? Think about it. If we knew that we were going to win everything, right? And some of you are super spiritual, I get that, and you're going to be like, Pastor, we do win. And in the end, we do. 
In the end, we know that the, that the enemy will be defeated. We will live with Christ forever. But there's that one little scripture that bugs the fire out of me that says, for a season, the enemy was allowed to advance on the children of God. And that's where we have to live sometimes. That there are times in our life we're going, God, where are you? And there's those seasons that the enemy is making progress, it seems, and we don't know what to do. I know we're going to win in the end, but, but I want you to know I have faced temptations that have led to struggles that I did not beat. I couldn't win if I, if I was going to make the decisions I made and I lost in those situations. Is there anybody else here that would help me not feel like such a big sinner that would say, look, I've messed up. I had the total ability to win, but I didn't. I have watched good people die from their battles with disease that can't be a win i don't get it sometimes i have walked with friends through no win situations and ultimately though i know because of god's grace even though it takes a long time there will be a win if we're watching ultimately the win comes but what about when we're still walking there in every situation, there seems to be a thousand variables that all add up to one thing. Are you ready for this? An uncertain outcome. A thousand different decisions that could be made. The things that tell me that sometimes I don't know if I'm going to win or lose. Sometimes I don't know if I'm going to sink or swim. I feel like I may be one of the only pastors in America who's not standing up here saying, you got it, you got it, you got it. Listen, you ultimately got it. But until you get it here, you're not going to get it everywhere in your life. And there are going to be things that happen in your life that you're going to feel like the ultimate failure in. And there's going to be all of this uncertainty that surrounds you. I've watched people face battles where they didn't know if they were going to live or die. But this is the one thing we can know. And we're going somewhere with this today. Is we can know who's with us. We can know that God is with us in our struggle. You know, I've been too many places and seen too many people going through things that, that they hear what God can do and they have to sit out in an audience and feel like God loves everybody but them. Listen to me today. I don't know what your struggle is. What I want you to get from the service today is that God can move in unexpected ways in your life. But if you're looking for a God who that you can wrap up, leash up, and tell him what to do in your life, and everything's going to get instantly well, faith the, the faith that we have in Christianity is not the faith for you. Somebody says he's preaching a little heretical. Let me preach a little more. You see, what happens is this. We will decide we want a safe world. So we'll create an environment to where we don't have to battle. You see, some of you never, never really uh, make any progress in your life because you're afraid to take the step to make progress because if you take the step to make progress, it's going to mess up the little safe world that you're in. Some of you never really can be happy in the relationship you're in because you won't honestly tell that person what you're dealing with. Because if you actually tell them what you're dealing with, it's going to shake your relationship to the point that there's going to be pain. You're so afraid of making progress because you've reached an acceptable place. But let me tell you something about God. God does not like acceptable places. Remember what I told you just a few weeks ago about the chaos of your life, how that God dwells in the panim, which the panim means God's right in front of and right behind chaos. God does not look as a creator for stuff that's done. God looks for the areas of your life that seem to be all out of control so that he can show up there and do what you don't expect to be done. 
God has an amazing plan in place, but here's what happens. We will wrap up our faith and hold it all inside because if I dare to believe that God's going to do something, God's going to move me somewhere, and I don't know how to feel there. I don't know what to do. It's like people say to me, I want to serve God, but every time I try to serve God, every time I try to step up to God, all hell breaks loose on me. Guess what? It's better for you to have all hell break loose on you than to hell have its hold on you, and God can deliver you instead of you living there happily. If I try to defeat this problem, I'm going to have to fight. If I try to defeat this, somebody else might know about it. It would be better for somebody else to know about it. It would be better for you to fight than for it to hold you back from what God wants for you. Oh, my God is good. We can never put ourselves in an environment that's going to challenge us to leave the security that we, and here's the key word, can control without faith. You see, we will run from any opportunity that will stir our faith. But in order to truly pursue God's purposes for our lives, we must not only allow our faith to be stirred, but we must rather embrace faith and all of the uncertain outcomes it will bring. Faith calls Jonathan to be sick of the status quo. Here's what had happened. Jonathan's standing on one hill. There's a valley in between them. He's standing on this, or on this side of the, of the valley, and he's looking up, and the Philistines are encamped. And there was just enough Philistines and just enough Israelites that they were encamped staring at each other because they all knew somebody was going to die if they crossed over. They all knew that if they were to fight the battle, somebody was going under, okay? So what do they do? They just look at each other. Yep, you need to, go, you need to die. And if I come over there to make you die, I may die in the process. What, what good is that, right? If, if I come over there, I don't know what's going to happen. So forever, it seemed like, they just came out, looked at each other, and go back to camp. Come out, look at each other, and go back to camp. Finally, Jonathan ha has enough of it. And Jonathan makes this statement to his armor bearer. He says, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. He said, but this stalemate of fear is driving me crazy. I can't keep looking at the problem thinking, okay, if I deal with that, I may not win. If I deal with that problem, I, I don't know what it's going to bear. He said this. He said, boy, we're going to go up that mountain. He said, you come with me, and we're going to go up that mountain, and we're going to see what God can do. And what happened? He went up the mountain, and he created a great victory that ultimately brought victory for the whole nation. And here's the problem. A lot of us, we want God to move in our lives, and I'll get there in just a moment, but we're looking at major problems in our lives, and we're like, yeah, I I know you're there, but I don't know if I want to deal with you because if I deal with you, I'm going to have to get honest. If I deal with you, I'm going to have to deal with some things that are from my past. If I deal with you and we're going, I don't know if the battle's worth it. I'm looking for somebody who will realize something. God wants that mountain in your life. God wants to set up a place of victory in that place in your life and you'll stop allowing fear to hold you back and you'll quote Jonathan, I don't know what God's going to do, but I've got to deal with this. I'm going to go over there and take that mountain and give it to God. Oh, but I don't know where I'm going. If I step out in faith, I don't know what I'm doing. What happened with Abraham? Abraham said, look, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to obey God not knowing what's going to happen next. Some of us, we want to walk in faith as long as God reveals to us the next step. But God wants you to be like Peter out on the water to where you're going under unless you're looking at him. God wants you to be like Noah. For 120 years, Noah built an ark, 
and everybody made fun of him. Nobody got it. Nobody understood what he was doing. But the Bible tells us that by faith, Noah did exactly what God told him to do. People don't have to understand what you're doing. You just have to do what God tells you to do. But Pastor Don, if I do what God tells me to do, it always seems that my whole world gets messed up. Good. You see, faith fosters an environment of uncertainty. And I want you to get this. If you miss all the rest of the sermon, get what I'm about to say. One of the biggest mistakes many of us make in our relationship with God is that we focus all of our energies on telling God exactly what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. What's going on in your prayer life? God, I need you to do this. Lord, I'd like it in this size and this color. Really? You don't believe that? All you single people have been praying that way all along. Amen. Lord, I want her to look just like this. I want her to cook biscuits just like my mama. Come on now. Some of you know that God answered my prayers. Amen. And you're telling God, I want her to have this color hair. And you're like, <laughs> women are like, God, just don't let him be fat. <laughs> Come on now. Oh, God, I need a new house. Lord, I want it to be in this kind of neighborhood that has walking paths and a swimming pool. <laughs> we laugh about it, but that's how you're praying. God, I need you to move for my kids. God, I want you to deliver my kids. And God says, do you really want me to? Because I'm going to start in you first. You see, we're too busy telling God how he can move, what he can do. And then the fact is that if we don't get what we want, we're going to tell him over and over again all the little details until he gets what we want. I know this is what God's called us to talk about today. The last service, people walking out with tears streaming on their face, saying, God's calling me to more, Pastor. But what if, listen to me, what if instead of spending all of our energy making plans for God, we decided to spend that energy pursuing God, wanting to really find God? I mean, isn't that what happened in the scripture we read earlier? Somebody going, what did that scripture have to do with this message? Isn't that what happened? The disciples didn't have a plan. All they knew was that Jesus said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and tarry there until you're endued with power and the, by the promise of the Father. That's all they knew. God had told them, hey, go, do. And so what are they doing? Well, when the day of Pentecost arrived, God's perfect plan was in full force. As the pilgrims were settling in from all over the world, it was those pilgrims who would hear that experience when they began to speak in tongues, they began to proclaim the gospel in all these different languages, and 3,000 pilgrims would get saved, get baptized, and then what do pilgrims do? Go home. 3,000 people. So look what God has done. God has perfectly planned this day out from beginning to end. He's got them where they need to be. He's got them doing what they need to be doing. They're right there, and they don't have a clue why they're doing it, but God's been aligning everything totally around them. There is no way to plan this any better than from God's point of view. It is evident what God is doing, but what do you think is happening from the disciples' point of view? Could you imagine the disciples that got up? It's been 10 days. This is their 10th day. This, is, this, is, this has been over a week. 
They've been spending all these days praying. Lord, we don't know what it is you want. But you told me to get here and wait and pray. And, and Lord, I'm, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Now, could you imagine what they felt on the 10th day? I mean, do you think Peter got up and said like this? said, okay, all right, today, fix your hair just right. Put on your best garment because you're preaching to thousands today. 3,000 people are going to get saved today. As a matter of fact, you're going to be in the upper room, and all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost is going to fill you, and you're going to speak in the language. I think I'll learn Portuguese today. That's not what happened. Could you imagine 10 days into the process? Normally what happens is Tim and Todd, my two T's, sit in both services, and they're like, that preached better in the first service, that preached better in the second service, and nine times out of ten, y'all get the better stuff. But somebody in here today, you got to get this because it flowed last service, and I'm climbing a mountain in this service so that somebody can get what I'm trying to say to you. They did not wake up thinking they had it all together and knowing what was about to happen that day. What happened was they woke up knowing that just like some of you thought when I said we're going to get together and pray over you, some of you thought, oh, God, i got to rearrange my schedule. They got up thinking, should I go back to work today? Did, did, I, did I imagine seeing Jesus float into heaven? They got up struggling in their faith, but they still got up and they still went and did what God called them to do. Listen, some of you need to understand that's what I'm trying to tell you today. Some of you, you think that your God has gone somewhere absent, that your God's not perfect because God didn't do exactly what you told him to do. And so you stopped getting up and doing what he told you to do. But I'm looking for somebody who will stand up with me and say, Pastor, I will no longer con- control God. He told me to serve him. I'm going to serve him. He told me to praise him. I'm going to praise him. He told me to call upon his name and see miracles in his name. And I'm going to do it. And I don't care if my life's anything like I want it to be. What I really want is to have God and to have him flowing through my life. So I'm going to do it no matter what I feel. And so they got up and God began to move. And maybe it's just an idea today, but what do you think would happen if we were to do the same? If we spend our time in pursuit of the presence of God, if we become determined to live our lives and live out his commands for our lives, what if we sought God with the same ancient intensity that they did? Would we have an ancient miracle like they did? You know, I think many people just want a calm life. I'll go to church so everything will calm down. You're facing a battle I'll go to God's house so everything will calm down, right? Listen to what Oswald Chambers said. Oswald Chambers said this. He said, to be certain of God means that we are uncertain in all of our ways. To know God means you'll not know what's going to happen tomorrow. Oh, Pastor Don, that's not biblical. Jesus said, hey, I don't even know where I'm going to be tomorrow. He said, I don't have a house. Maybe this is why I had to say this. Maybe you're facing losing everything right now because, believe it or not, that's still happening in this economy. And some of you are going, I don't know where I'm going to be tomorrow. And God sent me with a message. Stop worrying so much about where you're going to be tomorrow and find out where he is today, and God will take care of your tomorrow. You see, we'll never see the big picture. We'll never know exactly what the next step should be, but faith lets me know that God does see the whole and his plan is perfectly placing itself for the redemption of the world. 
Maybe a relationship with God doesn't need to simplify our lives. Maybe a relationship with God needs to complicate our lives. Wow, y'all are giving me some looks today. Not all complications bad. Listen to me. Marriage complicates my life. Amen. I always put it this way. I used to walk into the gas station and come out with one drink and a candy bar. Now I walk out with a bag full of stuff. Except money, because it's all gone. And if I dare got the wrong drink or the wrong treat, back in the store I go. The only victory I need to get in the situation is not eating the wrong treat. Amen. But, uh, you know, kids complicate our lives. It's true. Ministry, getting involved in ministry is going to complicate your life. Some of you, you're going, I don't know these complicated, you're weighing them out. How's this? Wealth complicates your taxes. And I don't see anybody griping about God blessing you so much you got to give up the easy form. Somebody said, I'm just thankful for that easy form. I'm like, you're broke. I mean, it's true. Nobody gripes when God blesses you enough to have to have more taxes. You just don't want to pay them, but you're thankful for the blessings to get there. Success complicates your schedule. How many can thank God for these kind of complications? Amen? Well, get this. A relationship with God will complicate your life, but it will complicate your wife in ways it should be complicated. Somebody going, Pastor, I just don't want my life complicated. Guess what? Sin complicates your life. One lie has to be told to cover another lie. One false front has to be built to cover another false front. Sin complicates your life. I don't want my life complicated. Then why do you keep sinning? Why not say, God, I'd rather have you complicate my life. So one way or the other, we're going to face challenges. The question we must ask is, will the unexpected things that happen be for our good or for our harm? You know, when I was growing up, there was a book. I remember seeing my mom read it, and I think I started trying to read it a couple times, but then they made it into a movie and really enjoyed it. How many of you have ever either read the book or, or saw the movie, The Hiding Place? Anybody? There was a little lady, and I still remember when she was, you'd hear of her on TV or different things that would travel the world. Her name was Corey Ten Boom. And Corey Ten Boom would share the story of how she survived the Nazi concentration camps after her book took off they made the movie she had this unbelievable platform to talk about all the doubt and struggles with her faith why she wondered why she was there just because she'd done the right things just because she was a Christian just because she loved God why was she there when, when Corey would begin to speak this is how she'd speak she'd stand there and she'd do this the whole time she'd speak. Everybody assumed that she was ashamed as she'd talk about the abuse she suffered. Everybody assumed that she was maybe just a real backwards person and nervous. And here this woman that God gave the world as a platform to speak, she wouldn't really look at her audience while she spoke. She would look down. And so as everyone assumed she was just awkward or weird, nervous, scared. She just looked down. 
Then at the end of the time, she would always say this. As she would pull up a needlepoint she had been working on. And she would show all of the colors that were totally random. Strings everywhere. She would show the jumble is a good word. And she said, this is how you see your life. This is how you see your world. And then she would flip it over and you would see a beautiful little piece of artwork that she had created. And she said, but this is how it looks from God's perspective. You see, today as I'm talking to you, some of you, you're looking at your life and you're holding and it's just a jumble and it's just a mess. You don't know why you're going through what you're going through. You don't know why you're having the uncertainties that you have. Some of you think I'm picking you out right now. You know what I normally do is I preach to these black things around the wall when I'm trying not to make you think I'm talking to you. These black things have gotten saved on many a Sunday. But right now I'm looking at you. I want you to get it. I want you to know that the mess that you're holding, that you don't understand why it is like it is, and you're so frustrated and you're struggling, that's the kind of thing I've been trying to talk to you about this whole time, is if you could see it from the way that God sees it. God's working a plan that puts you just in the right place so that he can share his love with just the right amount of people in just the right way, and it's gonna be his spirit that does the work. And just like on the day of Pentecost, you may not know why you're doing what you're doing, but you keep doing it for God. You keep pursuing God. You keep serving God. And you're going, God, I just don't see it. And God says, but if you could see what I see and know what I know, I would change your life so much by simply you stepping out in faith. Would you stand with me today? Definitely not the easiest service we've had here in a long time. Definitely not maybe the flowing sermon we had in here just moments ago. But as you begin to bow your heads in this place, a young pastor would have felt like a failure. And I go ahead and tell you, I feel that way 99% of the weeks. But I'm also been at this long enough to know when the Spirit of God is speaking to somebody. When the Holy Ghost is trying to redirect and change and shift so that you get it just right. So that you can hear what I've come to tell you today. Stop trying to box God up and let God out in your life. Stop trying to say, God, this is how I want it and this is how I know you love me. Some of you, if you feel secure, you think God loves you. It's in the insecurity of faith that you're going to really find his greatest outpourings. Nobody looking around and everybody praying right now. Is God speaking to you? Is God touching your heart? Are you here today when I see some of you that gave your life to Christ last week? God's been changing so many lives. About 109 people in the last six weeks have given their life to Christ. And all throughout the services, I get to look at folks as God's changing their lives. Are you here today and you want the same change? 
Same one I described from that little service, just fresh out of, out of jail, fresh with a move of God, fresh new life in Christ now today. Some of you are standing here with this jumbled up mess called your life, and you're just daring to believe that God can turn it into an artwork. If that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you from where you are. But right now, right where you are, would you just hold your hand up and say, I want to give my life to Christ. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anybody else today? I want to give my whole life to Jesus Christ. I want to give him the good, the bad, the struggles, the problems. I want to serve God with all that's in me. Anybody else? We're going to pray for these in just a moment. Right now, I want to ask the rest of you that are here. That would say, Pastor, I've been living in the place of comfort or I've been living in the world that I can control for far too long. And this is what I feel to say to you, and maybe right now you're losing that control. And by faith, you want to surrender all of the control to God right now. How has your control turned out? How has your world worked with your master plan? Why not surrender to Christ? Can I just see your hand if that's you? Literally, hands going up all over this place. Surrendering it all to Christ right now. In Jesus' name. Why don't you join hands with somebody next to you? We're going to pray a prayer of salvation with those that are making commitments, some for the first time, some as points of rededication today. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our hearts that Christ, that God raised Christ from the dead, what that means is that not only is Christ alive, but it means he's able to do what he says. So we're going to give it all to him because he's an enforcer of his word. We're going to believe in his grace and his goodness. We're going to trust a God that we, when we give it to him, it really belongs to him. Let's pray together right now. Jesus, right now, I believe and in the name of Jesus, I say, Father, I am a sinner. Cleanse me of my sins. And in Jesus' name, I receive your grace. I believe that Christ came for me. He died for me. He arose for me. And in Jesus' name, from this moment on, I declare God is my Father. Heaven is my home. This matter is settled. Father God, now I pray for all of these that are here, for those that just prayed this prayer, and for those who say, I need to surrender to God. Lord, there are literally situations, mountains, before some of these, your children. Right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, right now, by the joy of the Lord and the victory that comes through Christ, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that as they step out from their comfort zone, as they step out by faith, that, Lord, yes, their world will be shaken, but, Lord, they will have find a hand in the middle of the storm that lifts them up, pulls them out. Lord, that they will come through the other side in victory, that they will be able to declare that God still calms storms, that God still delivers from the pit of the enemy, that God still brings victory because they no longer can stay where they were they will walk free by the blood of Jesus Christ and the victory we find in God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. That's 
That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now. Thank you.